On this week's gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio, Slick stops by to talk about some of the stuff going on in the world of video games. Entertainment-wise, we're going to talk box office totals and, of course, some of the other happenings, including some stuff with DC and Marvel films and some WTF movie news. And, of course, much, much more. The gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What is going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 391, powered by Rageworks. This is our gaming and entertainment edition, bringing you the latest and greatest rants about gaming and entertainment. Sometimes we sprinkle in a little bit of tech as well. As always, you can find this show and any of our other shows on Rageworks.net, and you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. All right, let's get into a little housekeeping before we get the ball rolling with some gaming stuff this week. Uh, first off, I want to thank everybody who downloaded last week's Gaming and Entertainment Edition. Still trying to get a groove in terms of just, you know, putting the shows together, et cetera, et cetera. After doing the live show for so long, you know, got to kind of reacquaint myself with just doing podcast versions and trying to give you guys the best audio experience possible. But I've got a lot of great uh, responses and feedback. Shout out to Javon Lewis for his honest feedback. As always, it is much appreciated. And um, we're going to continue fine-tuning it as we march towards MTR 400, which, by the way, we are going to do that episode live. That's for sure. But we're probably not going to be doing uh, call-ins via the switchboard because we will be doing away with the Blog Talk Radio service for now just because, you know, it's... Very expensive, doesn't always work, and you know it's an expense that was averaging out to about four hundred plus dollars a year, and we were seeing very minimal returns on it. So with that, we're going to definitely be doing something a little different for the live show, but we're probably going to you know do video, of course, and we're going to definitely stream to YouTube and Facebook Live now that we got that working, and we're going to try and do more stuff like that going forward. I know a lot of you guys have been asking when we're going to do more. Facebook live stuff and we're going to try and do more streaming straight to Facebook and do some special stuff. I know some people want some behind the scenes rage work stuff too. And we're going to try and find ways to, you know, gain our footing on the Facebook side of things. But nonetheless, I again am incredibly grateful for all the people that have downloaded the show. Now that we've switched over from doing live broadcasts and again, your continued feedback is appreciated. Now, I know some people have been asking about guests and things like that. We're going to definitely be doing more guests going forward. Uh, This week, Slick stops by. We're going to talk some gaming stuff, which there's definitely quite a bit. And, um, you know, we're going to get into the entertainment stuff as usual. And we're going to keep it short and sweet for you guys. And as always, we hope that you guys enjoy what we're doing. Feel free to share your feedback. And with that, let's wrap up this housekeeping and jump into the week's gaming news. Let's get to it, shall we? 
our very own Mr. Slick is joining us this week, uh, making his podcast debut after more than 200 plus episodes of putting up with my bullshit in the live capacity. Slick is joining me on the podcast, uh, the gaming and entertainment edition of MTR. So um, what's going on, Slick? It's good to have you back. What's up, man? It's always good to be here. It feels good, too, just because we haven't, you know, this is the first time just doing it in a more controlled environment. No drop calls, no bullshit. It uh, it feels pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, we always got to have backups. So, you know, in the in the urban areas, we got like 20 of them shits. And we absolutely do have 20 of them shits, man. Do I miss, do I not miss having to have 17 different devices recording to ensure that we were, our levels and everything were good. But, um... You know, it has it, been a very interesting week on the gaming side of things. We got we had some controversy coming out of the Resident Evil 7 review, which um, IGN recently did. And uh, an individual we both know uh, said some less than favorable things about, you know, the, the, the score that the game got. And it has created a bit of a firestorm, I have to say. And it's interesting because I get both perspectives of the situation but i also look at it from the perspective that in in 2017 you know think the the way you convey a message can be misconstrued in at the drop of a hat absolutely but i will say that you know not going into that controversy because it'll it's a it's a conversation for a separate for a separate time i do have to say that the game has created some polarizing conversation and uh, uh, you know, in the gaming space, a lot of people were impressed with the with the complete new interpretation that Capcom is going with. You know, going first person, doing not so much the zombie stuff, but more kind of a little bit of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe, right? And also their inclusion of VR for the PC and the PS4. Yep, a lot of people have said nothing but good things about the VR experience. Some people were genuinely scared, and I think that it's um, refreshing to see something like that, you know, where people are like, wow, I'm genuinely scared of this game. You know, that's that's pretty dope. I thought that it was something that Resident Evil needed personally because I felt that the series was getting a little long in the tooth, and they were just relying on a lot of the same stuff just giving us in other words it was a lot of the same stuff with a different coat of paint oh yeah i agree i mean i'm not a big resident evil fan outside of the movies but i've you know i follow the story enough to know what's going on and a lot of people were upset with either five or six or five and six and the fact that they really are trying for something different here is that's a that by itself is a plus yeah, I think I think as a as a fan of the series, I think that they, you know, going in that direction and really taking it to you know, everybody in terms of just how they want to present it. A lot of us thought we were going to get the same old, you know, trapped in a house, trapped in a city, trapped in a sewer, trapped in a in a backyard, whatever the case may be. I thought we were going to get the same cookie cutter nonsense. And when I played the first demo and I saw I'm like, "All right, this first person shit's a little crazy and the amount of detail and just a lot of the hey what was that did you hear that is somebody over there what kind of shadow is that holy shit oh my god you know like they they did a good job capitalizing on the more psychological experience and i think for me it's it's a it's something refreshing i think you know a lot of people 
that that aren't fans of the game or hate the game or don't like the game. Some people were saying that the game was very short. I mean, it's an honest criticism uh, for someone who hasn't sat down to fully play it yet. I, I can understand a criticism like that is warranted. You know, when you pay 60 bucks, you're expecting a certain amount of play time. And don't get me wrong. Finishing a game in eight hours, you've essentially and, and, and you know, this is how I see it. You're looking at it from the from almost a perspective where it's a job and you just got paid sixty dollars. You you just paid sixty dollars to do eight hours of work. There you go. And you know, I think a lot of people are going to be bent out of shape with that. And some people are, some people aren't. But I just, you know, for me personally, I don't feel that if you're going to get eight hours of play time, again, it's a brand new game. It's a brand new experience. You're trying to create something new, something fresh, and that's fine because you're capitalizing on the hoopla and the excitement. But again, you know, when when you're talking about play length, it's something that's worth worth mentioning. And again, that's not taking anything away from the game. The game is short from what I've been hearing. It's no different than than Force Unleashed, the the second game. Fun game, super short. Did I did I, you know, I didn't pay the the original cost for it at the time, but I played through the game and I'm like, I probably would have felt comfortable paying 30 or 40 bucks for this game and definitely not 60 when I can plow through the game and it doesn't really get quote unquote new additions to the story mode. You just get DLC or costumes or, or palette swaps. I mean, it's, it's more value. That's one thing that I got to say when, you know, when you share a lot of the gameplay footage for Hitman, you know, your, your Hitman continues to evolve and grow. So it's almost like, so it's almost like you're invested in a, in a, in a universe, not just, Hey, you're, you're invested in, 18 hours of gameplay you're invested in a complete narrative that continues to unfold you know every couple of months with new with new objectives and new stories and it keeps the game fresh it keeps the character in front in front of people's eyes and i think that the only time that 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 game will probably start winding down is when less people stop start playing you know are playing the episodes less which hopefully will not be anytime soon with the release of the with the um sorry the the physical release coming this Tuesday, right? Which, um, you know, you I know you you shared a piece uh, for that on RageWorks.net, and you know, for for those that did not get a chance to read it, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, along with the physical release, since I didn't see anything today, I believe there's also going to be a new elusive target coming out on Tuesday. Along with that, I probably would see more on that later today, being Friday now. Um, also, what the article that I put out specifically covered was the fact that with the launch of the physical disc containing all six of the the episodes and all the bonus content, both the new players and the existing players are also going to get the up, an update which will give professional uh, difficulty to the game, which is going to add a lot of features like it's going to really change the gameplay for those who have already experienced it because it's going to be adding more uh more uh, video cameras in more strategic places now the cameras do more than just record you if you are recorded doing something there will be a security guard response to your to your area and the security guards are more how should I say it? They're more cognizant of what they're looking for. Like they will be searching harder than, than before. The, there is, um, 
they said there's going to be lethal combat, which previously meant if the guards pulled out their guns, that's pretty much it for 47. He's going to die. But hopefully this means you can actually defend yourself in a better way. But that's it's yet to really be seen. And the fact that there will be professional level uh, mastery and unlocks added to the game, as well as a separate leaderboard for those that care about the leaderboard for, um, you know, professional times and scores, professional difficulty times and scores. So it's definitely going to be something for the new players to look forward to. It's definitely going to refresh the game for the existing players like myself. And having gone to the um, the message boards, well, you know, the, the Hitman community, from what I've seen, just the the um, announcement of professional difficulty has been received very pos- in a very positive manner. So I I think it's going to be very good for the game. No, I think that that the addition of of that stuff is definitely you know it's it's going to make people more invested in picking up the game. Um, you know, to to that point, I did want to mention that. It looks like Bethesda is going to be releasing an update for Dishonored 2, which um, is going to add mission select, and it's going to allow people to pick different parts of the game uh, without saving files or starting over. They're also going to include custom difficulty, and um, this marks the second free update for the game after the one in December, which added the new game plus, which, um, you know, it's going to give players more freedom of choice, and I think that's a big part of what makes, you know, what's making people stay active with a lot of these games and extending the shelf life. I, you know, I think um, at, at least for me personally, these, these little updates are something that people aren't going to talk about too much because it's just like, well, that's what they should do. You know, they should, they should put out these type of updates. But um, for me, I just think that as a, as a, as a gamer, you want to get that, that value that you put into the game. And I think that's one thing that, that Hitman has done very well you know they've they've really ensured that the um you know that the value you get for for the episodic content is truly worth it you know i had seen the thing on the the um dishonored 2 update as well i had kind of forgotten about that i really think that's an awesome thing that more games need to do especially if they do have like an extra hard difficulty looking at games like um ninja gaiden but um, having a sl- like sliders for different aspects of the game, because you know, take ABC, your wh- whatever your favorite game is. If you ever played a game on like the harder difficulties, you might say most of the game really isn't that hard for for me, right? In, in, except for ABC, and being able to tune ABC down a little bit or all the way, depending on how you feel, versus leaving the rest of it up, that's, you know, that's cool. Or maybe leave that part up and turn other things down just so you can focus on what your weakness is. It's all in how you want to play, and giving players that freedom, I think, is really awesome. It's definitely a step forward for Bethesda, who, over the past years, even though they've put out some great games, have not had the greatest track record due to a lot of bugs and stuff. But one other thing I wanted to mention, which it comes out of the Hitman story, is that certain developers 
are really listening to the gamers. And I really have to applaud that. As they should. What is not good is that within the last, let's say, three years, including 2017 so far, there have really only been three developers doing that. And they would be CD Projekt Red with The Witcher 3. Yep, definitely. Deep Silver with Dying Light, because they really did listen to the gamers and add a lot of stuff over the course of um, 2015 and 2016. And um, IO Interactive with Hitman. Granted, there's still a lot of stuff that the Hitman community, I should... I shouldn't be mean, but really it is what it is. Complains for more than asked for because they really do just complain. Right. But they really do listen because if you if you happen to be a member of those those um prom- more prominent Hitman forums, you would see even the ones that aren't official from Square Enix, the IO Interactive um what's the word? The employees actually are part of these communities, so they're not only listening, they're interacting with the players and trying to get feedback. They're trying to give players what they want to the best of their ability, which, again, I have to applaud these companies that are doing things like that. And I have to encourage more companies to do that. And, again, just to not mince words, stop half-assing it. I agree. companies, I specifically think, need to start doing that are Ubisoft. And Capcom, because yeah. good, good. No, I, I, I'm, I'm. I was about to say, I, I can definitely agree that those two companies definitely. And you know, to add one more to that list, um, you know, Quark wrote a new Quark's Corner that was published today, uh, yesterday now about um injustice and how you know you're getting three different editions of the game. You know, you're getting quote unquote premium skins and all these characters and a lot of the skins and all that stuff were already included. Or were just things that you would earn in the game. Yeah, there was stuff you would get, obviously, through DLC with new characters. But the bulk of it was stuff you would earn in-game. And, you know, there's different price points and there's frustration. And, you know, his piece, a lot of people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, wow, I didn't know that. Like, even myself, you know, I I like the Injustice series. And the fact that they were like, yeah, you know, you can get a new skin for Green Lantern that's, you know, Jon Stewart or whatever. It's like, that skin was free previously that wasn't like a perk you know that sucks the only thing i saw because i did look at that briefly i personally am not an injustice fan i'm not knocking anybody who is and i gotta say that because i actually got into an argument with an injustice fan earlier this week but again if you like it more power to you i just don't right and that's what it is you know it's different strokes for different folks right one thing i do have to Again, even even when I, I shit on them, I, I will applaud something that is good. And even if it's paid, this is something that might actually be worth paying for. The fact that they have a reskin for Supergirl to make her Power Girl, but it's not just a reskin. Right. They they have new voice actors and new and new and new abilities. And I think that that's a plus. I just think that to to that point, not not to not to cut off what you were going to say. I just feel that if you're going to do that, you should really be super upfront with it. Because, again, people are going to look at it at first glance and they're going to be like, oh, so you're reskinning one character and it's just the same. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you got to put that out there because 
honestly, that's a good selling tool because it reminds me of if you remember WWE, well, WWF No Mercy, you'd be able to reskin one character that, you know, that had a different outfit and it would be another character that had that move set. Right. So, you know, that was actually pretty cool because if after you created whatever characters you wanted, you can actually take certain certain characters that had similar move sets and create essentially another wrestler as an alternate skin for that particular character. And again, you know, the, in that capacity back then, you know, the move set was the same, the mannerisms were the same, but in this case if you're doing that, then you should say, "Hey, you know, we're giving you 30 base characters and a couple of skin configurations will allow you to take that 30 and turn them into 45 for argument's sake." Right, and a company like Neverrealm making Injustice considering how you know, DC Comics are, they really could make their different price point thing less of a less of a grown point, let's say. Right. And and more of a actual I'm excited for having these different price points because just take a few of the characters. Batman, right there. You have Batman who part of the, the whole thing is that Batman is a symbol, not a person, which is can be proven by the fact if they said, hey, you have Batman, but there's in our in our game, there's Bruce Wayne Batman, there's Dick Grayson Batman, there's Jim Gordon Batman, there's Terry McGinnis Batman. Right. And they all have different moves. Yep. I think that's a that's a great way to look at it. I also could go one step further and say, here's a good example. Um, you know, the, the, the Batman one is tremendous. It is it is definitely a great example. Uh, same thing with Green Lantern. You could do. John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Hal Jordan. You could even do, uh, you know, uh, some of the other lanterns from the other color spectrums as those skin swaps if you wanted to. But that that falls within that same parameter, you know, the same way that you could do Aquaman and Ocean Master as an example. Or even if you didn't have all the Green Lanterns, let's say you just had Hal Jordan. You could say, here's Hal Jordan as Green Lantern. Here's Hal Jordan as Spectre. Yep, or he, and how Jordan is parallax. There you go. Yep. Uh, no, I but, agree. But it's like they did it with Supergirl, and at least for the moment, it seems that they've completely missed. Even though they they had they came up with the idea, they completely missed the opportunity to really make you know a quote unquote premium edition for players to pay for. Yep. Make that hundred dollar version worth a hundred dollars i agree i um i also wanted to talk about while we're on the subject of of you know comic book stuff you know marvel's big announcement with square enix today um Huge. you know with the avengers project which was tremendous you know they sent us they sent me the piece which i i have to also put together but you know seeing the announcement seeing what they're going to do and just what they're bringing to the table creates such excitement because think about it, we've been watching DC keep a very, very strong foothold in the gaming space. Think about it, all the Batman Arkham games, even Injustice to a degree, are games that have kept DC in, in the public eye. And people are like, wow, you know, the Batman games are a testament to how awesome a good Batman game can be. Uh, the Injustice games are good because they, they give you access to a bunch of characters that you may not see on a regular basis, but you could still play as. And the Marvel Universe has always been 
hit or miss. Like usually the Spider-Man stuff has been solid, but everything else, unless you're playing like Marvel versus Capcom or any games in that space, everything else has been a bit of a footnote. Yeah. And forgettable, which is a shame. And I what I wanted to really comment on in, in case anybody is leery about this, like I, I a, a friend of mine commented on the announcement and I'm pretty sure he was being, you know, you know, he was joking around because that's the type of person he is. But he's, he was saying that, and this is because Eidos Montreal is part of the, the, the one of the development teams from Square Enix that is going to be working on this project. He's like, it's going to be a puzzle game, uh, a mobile puzzle game that has microtransactions referring to games like Deus Ex, Hitman, and Lara Croft, the Go series of those games. I was right. Like, and like I said, I believe he was joking, but I had to, you know, just let him know that, yeah, Idos Montreal is working on that, but the Go games are not all they do. Idos Montreal worked on Deus Ex. They, in part, worked on Tomb Raider. And also, Crystal Dynamics is also one of the other developer that's part of that project. And if, in case anybody's not aware, the Crystal Dynamics did a little title called Tomb Raider. Right. The last two Tomb Raiders were done by Crystal Dynamics, and the um, the rebooted Tomb Raiders from the PS3, Xbox 360 era, being um, what was it Tomb Raider Legend, Tomb Raider Underworld, and uh, Tomb Raider Anniversary, which was the HD reboot of the original Tomb Raider game, were all done by Crystal Dynamics. So the idea that they would make a a Marvel game and just using Tomb Raider as an example, a character like just to start Captain America, they could make a fantastic Captain America game considering what it's, what they did with Lara Croft. I agree. I think that it would be dope, especially if you go from, you know, doing stuff with the Nazis in the forties to, you know, adventures in the modern era, you know, using characters, all you got to do. And, and, and again, not to say you got to rip it off, but, it, a Captain America game done in the style like like Batman, like the Batman Arkham games, where you're just, you know, fighting your way through Nazi Germany, you're fighting, you know, Red Skull, all these other villains, Aram Zola, all these guys, and then, obviously, you fast forward, you know, you do the cutscene at the midway point, you get frozen, you get woken up in the modern era, you start going on missions for S.H.I.E.L.D., and you can lead into some conflicts that have, that are either out of the books or new for the games, and that alone, man, would keep people enthralled for quite some time. And the big question, which they kind of answered with the, the teaser, is what license do they have? Right. The teaser makes it look like they have the movie-related license and not the comic license. So, unfortunately, we would probably not see Avengers like Wolverine and Deadpool. Right. But you never know. But even if they didn't do something brand spanking new... If they made a game, again, using maybe the engine of Tomb Raider, but let's, and again, I'm just using Captain America as an example because as or, far as the, the movie universe, right. Winter Soldier still, for me, is the number one movie. If they just made a movie using Winter Soldier, that could be a game, sorry, game. Well, you know that what? could knock it out the park for me. Well, you know what I would go with? I'd go one step further. I would do an espionage-style game in the Tomb Raider vein with Black Widow. Like, imagine all the stuff you could oh do there. God. 
Steel. You, you, you know what? You're you're absolutely right, and that is an even better idea considering the you know their their main character base, which is Lara yep. Croft. Dude, or imagine a Metal Gear style one game. Step, one step further, even to to promote future movies. Let's see what they could do with with um uh, Miss Captain Marvel. Yep, I think I think that would work. I, but but yeah, dude, like an espionage game with Black Widow. You know, do it like Metal Gear do all this different stuff and then you know maybe tie in other characters that would be tremendous i mean you know obviously using the cinematic universe is a, is a great way to go but i also feel that just taking some of those characters that can thrive on their own and do those stories like captain america uh black widow's another great character you know iron man is a little different i mean you know i would love to see a reskinned modernized port of hulk ultimate destruction dude don't 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 get me excited <laughs> it would be dope though like something like that just something fun you know you could just go through you know open world kind of like gta style sandbox you know fighting all the regular hulk guys maybe doing some stuff with the avengers i think i think it would rock man but the announcement was cool i was excited as a gamer to see so many people pumped as a comic book fan i was hype as well you know the avengers project is very interesting and it's going to be something we're going to be we're going to definitely be keeping an eye on. That's for sure. It's funny though because I mean I said it all last year and I've already said it more than once this year. What what do I keep saying about Square Enix? They're creeping they freaking, in. They they own they they own 2016, and with that announcement, it looks like they're going to own 2017. Yep. Um. You know, switching gears. From Square Enix, you know, another company that we're all watching very closely, obviously, is Nintendo. You know, we got the Switch right around the corner. Pre-orders are selling out at a record pace, as we we could expect. And, you know, the eBay uh, reseller contingent is is sh- is sharpening their knives. But um, oddly enough, you know, I've seen some of the stuff that the Switch is putting out. Um, something I mentioned during last week's gaming, sh- uh, ga- you know, gaming and entertainment edition is the fact that... Uh, you know, the Wii version of of, of Zelda is going to be the final Wii title, which is, you know, the final first party Wii title, which, you know, it's it's sad. But I also am impressed with Nintendo finding ways to just keep that 3DS out there and relevant. You know, I read a piece on The Verge that they're going to do a, the, the, Pika, the Pikachu Yellow edition of the 3DS XL, which is the one that has like the crayon drawing of Pikachu on the cover that they released first in Japan. Right. It's actually dropping here in the States, um, February 24th. So again, you know, Nintendo just keeping, keeping little things out there, man, keeping, keeping things, uh, on an even keel. They actually re-released it. Um, they released, uh, that the Pokemon go band. I actually started, you know, seeing a couple of notifications from different retailers that they were, they were getting it back in stock. Um, which I, I mentioned, because, you know, I, I mentioned before that I had switched to to iOS and, you know, my wife got me an Apple Watch. And one of the, the, the little gimmies that they added to the Apple Watch was the whole Pokemon Go thing. So, nice. yeah, you actually can turn on Pokemon Go and it actually takes the steps that you count on the watch and applies them to any eggs that you have incubating. That's cool. It also vibrates to let you know if a Pokemon is in the area, which... Unfortunately, it doesn't catch them like the regular band does, but it informs you that they're in the area. The other thing that it does, though, is it also informs you of Pokestops, and you don't have to open your device. You can actually pull up the Pokestop on the watch 
and you can either hit get items and it gets them for you or you can you know spin the spin the location and they come out which is pretty cool absolutely i agree you know but especially since you know the main app once the screen goes black you can't it doesn't do anything for you right and that's that's the whole point like i was you know i thought it was a gimmick like you know my wife got me the apple watch not so much for that but i was like oh yeah you can load it on this thing and i tried it out and i was like wow you know that's that's pretty cool I, i i was a little bummed that they didn't include what the you know the regular pokemon band you know the 39.99 one has which is you know that it'll try and catch them or you know on you know the lesser the lesser ones for you which is kind of cool because it's like if you're just catching some that you've caught before and padding it you know you should be able to to do that like if you're catching you know pokemon less than level 100 you should be able to catch them with relative ease you know i hear you but um i wanted to throw that out there because obviously think about it the 3ds it's been kind of quiet Minus the big holiday bundle and the deal that they did for the holidays, it's been for the most part quiet. You know, every all eyes are on the Switch, and here we are. You know, a month before the Switch's release, and we're gonna release a a a, a fancy schmancy 3DS XL that you know I guarantee you will sell because people are gonna run out there and either want to swap their old ones for that or want to pick up a second one. You know how it goes. I'm just I. I am still very excited about the Switch, but I'm starting to see some things that are a little bit worrisome. Mm-hmm. I can the agree. First, the first of which was Capcom's, pardon my French, bullshit announcement of <laughs> Ultra Street Fighter 2. I'm like, that 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 really. Well, let uh, me let me put this in 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 a different in a different context. I, you know, I had mentioned that that on the last show as as I was breaking down the Switch and. Um, Here's where I sit trying to get Street Fighter five or any other game for that matter. Maybe Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom if you wanted to on the switch. I hate to say it, but it's a bit of a fucking gamble because it's a game, you know, to say, oh, we're going to release a brand new fighting game on the switch. Sure. Maybe that might work. But for the most part, Nintendo's not going to want it. You know, they're not going to want to deal with that. So. In the case of releasing an old new game, I just feel that, hey, we got to give Nintendo something, you know, like that's this is the problem. We we talked about how developers were scared to, to work on the Wii U or the Wii for that matter at the time because of all the gimmicky shit. Here we are now in an instance where the third party publishers are willing to, to, to fuck with Nintendo, but they're still apprehensive. So. In Capcom's case, even though, uh, again, it's a rehash and a regurgitation, I kind of feel it was a safe bet, you know, because it's like it's Street Fighter. Either people buy it or people don't, and we don't spend a lot of resources on it. I I feel that it's a test, you know, dipping your toes in the pool. Now, am I saying that, oh, my God, it's great. I'm going to buy it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd I'd play it just because I play all the Street Fighter games. But is it something that's going to make me want to buy the system? No. Absolutely not. But I, but I'll definitely, you know, I'll definitely play, you know, because I guess what I what I mean is this: if you're gonna throw out something that you've clearly thrown out a million times before, right? And I don't know all the I, I'm I don't work for Capcom. I don't know their business. I'm not really trying to get in their business, but I am a gamer and I am a Capcom fan, right? If you're gonna throw a, just throw something out for Nintendo. 
How about your re-release Tatsunoko versus Capcom? I was like about I yep, I was about to say that. I agree. I think that would have been a great way to do it, but I think wasn't there a whole big licensing issue that they had to pull the game from the shelves after that game came out? That's why I said I don't, I don't know their business, but Ah, okay, got it. Let's just say for argument's sake that they are able to do that because they've released it before. Like you said, a lot of people could not get their hands on it. I'm one of the fortunate people that have it on the shelf behind me, but not everybody does. Yep. So I missed out on it and I was going to buy it cuz I believe I can play it on the on the Wii U. It is backwards compatible, am I right? For that? No. Switch games are not backwards. No, no, no. I'm compatible. talking about for, I'm talking about Tatsunoko versus Capcom on the Wii on the Wii U itself. Oh yeah, not for the switch. A, if you had a Wii copy, you can play it on the Wii U. Okay, yes. good. I may, I may, I may dip out and try and pick one up. I'll, if you have that place I told you about, that's out in uh, I think like Levittown. Right, that might be a good place to check. Okay, cool. They have I will. A lot of shit there. If yeah. You need so the address again, just let me know. No, I got, I got but, it from um, when you sent it to me. But, but you're right. I agree. Like that would have been, that would have been it. Obviously, if there's any sort of you know, semantics required to get the game out, then absolutely, you know, I, I respect that. But, uh, you know, in the interim, you, you know, you come to the dance with the, with the most comfortable shoes. And Street Fighter is Capcom's most comfortable shoes, you know? But Capcom's not even the worst defender. Nope. The worst defender that I've seen so far is the one that's been the most offensive to Nintendo. Again, I'm looking at you, Ubisoft. They're bringing out Rayman Legends, which... I don't even know how old that game. I mean, it's not it's not as old as Street Fighter 2, but I mean, for real, if you wanted to release some just something you can throw out from your catalog, uh, I don't know, an Assassin's Creed game? I would have liked to I would have liked for them to do more. I you know, I've been playing casually on my Xbox One Assassin's Creed China, you know, which is 2D side scrolling and yeah, it's They could have put the they could have put the Ezio collection out. They could have done that, but I mean, you know, again, it's older stuff, but I could have, I would have taken one of those 2D games, like I said, like Assassin's Creed China, maybe punched it up a bit or create something just for the Switch, you know, maybe, maybe do like, like I was always talk about, you know, Assassin's Creed Japan with a ninja assassin or something like that, you know, something again, to your point, something that gives people incentive, like, why do I want to play this on this system? In Capcom's case, they were like, hey, look at this Street Fighter 2. I bet you, you 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 wished it looked like this when you were younger. Sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's cool. Uh, you know, Evil Ryu, we've we've played Evil Ryu so many times at this point that, you know, you're not. Violent Ken was was a welcome was a was an interesting surprise considering, you know, we saw him in SVC Chaos and um it was fine, but again, not enough of a dangling carrot, so to speak, to get me to want to buy the game. Now, is it is it the right thing or the wrong thing? No, but I think that they just went with the safest thing possible to show people, see, we believe in the Switch too. <laughs> That's the thing. That putting out a game literally over 20 years old, that 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 doesn't scream that you believe in the Switch too. No, you're you're being apprehensive is what that is. I mean, you know what I it, hell, I'll go a step further. Do a, a redone Mega Man X collection in that style, you know, redone sprites from the ground up. It's just the fact that people complain about Nintendo's consoles. And when I say people, I mean developers. Yep. But it's you developers that are that are killing it. It's right. like I put out this stuff that that and let me not say that nobody wants, but like people 
your one of your your favorite catchphrases the crowd goes mild yep i mean we've talked about it you know where developers yeah one of the whole points is developing for for cutting edge technology and showing that you can do it and as soon as they see something that's not you know blu-ray drive octa-core processor they're like fuck we can't do anything and it's like but you guys should be able to do anything because this is according to them <laughs> this is older technology so, so it should be easy Ex to do anything i think that the problem is and and you and i have touched on this before it's the gimmicks and that's the problem like you know like hey we could port this game on the on the on the you know on the wii u is a good example but fuck how are we going to integrate their stupid screen you know what i mean and i think that becomes the challenge where they're like all right how do we how do we how do we you know throw this thing in there uh, i don't know what about what about putting the map there <laughs> you know or what about putting xyz menu there and i think that's what happens i think that they end up instead of to your point looking at just making the game they get kind of caught in the minutia of all right how do we how do we tie in this gimmick i mean don't get me wrong i'm sure nintendo's probably like well you know you want to find a way to integrate the blah 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 and they're probably like fuck you <laughs> like but could you imagine like if you like gta like should use the screen you know not to cut you off gta should you would be a game that if you put it on a console like that all right the screen is the map done you know that's makes sense that they put a gt on there. right Hopefully but that's hypothetical put red dead redemption 2 on there but again that's going to be a later announcement this year what take two is doing with nintendo but could could you imagine that you were like at an evo or something like that and like they hadn't already announced it and they were making the announcement and they're like coming to nintendo and like just the fact that they said nintendo the crowd's going insane right and like they're like ultra street and the crowd's going wild fighter two right crickets right but you know what it is people people have to be excited because we didn't even get that far with the wii u let's not kid ourselves you know like people are just trying to be like all right maybe we can we can give it a shot and that's it i mean a lot of these companies that they're like yeah we're supporting the nintendo's new initiative it's like yes you are but you're doing it cautiously and it shows it's like your skirt is showing you know we see it like capcom should have been like yo we're gonna do a special resident evil 7 experience for nintendo oh shit you know everybody be like wow that's that's pretty ballsy but no we're we're gonna go with the with the comfortable shoes <laughs> i'm sorry but i i am still a strong fan of nintendo as am and i to these to these developers we don't need the um we need fun games. We don't need the straight-laced Amish girl. We need the stripper right now. Well, I think I think that's that's going a you know, that's definitely uh I don't want to say overreaching because I definitely get where you're going. I just think that Nintendo should be at a stage where they're like, "Hey, this is our hardware. This is as powerful as it is. What do you got?" And when and Nintendo should be actively saying, "Hey, we want to put Call of Duty on our system. What do you got?" Well, you know, the, the hardware limitations may not allow, allow this, but you know what? Let's partner up and create something for your system so that people don't say, oh, look, Call of Duty. Yeah, Nintendo, no. Like, that's what, dude, I, that's what made... Dude, they're making Lego City undercover for the Switch. There you go. Why? 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 Exactly. But that's what I mean. Like, I felt, you know, I enjoyed Splatoon, not because it was, you know, a shooter, but it was something different and unique wrapped in 
a shooter. And you liked it because it was fun. Yeah, and and dude, that was the 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 number one fun. And that's what I'm saying. Like people look at it and they're like, "All right, yeah." And that's that's what I mean. And Nintendo was like, "Wow, we got a new IP that people like." All right, we're going to release it brand new on the Switch. Like think about it. It's like, "All right, here you go. You want you like Splatoon? We're going to give you more of it." Well, isn't it actually supposed to be Splatoon 2? Right, but that's what I mean. Like, "Hey, this shit works. Let's just put it out there." That that makes perfect sense to me. Yep. You know, Mario it, Mario Odyssey makes perfect sense to me. Yep. I mean, you know, to, to to put some context out there, look at Overwatch. Overwatch right now, um, they they recently announced that they had over 15 million players on the game. Originally, the current count had crossed 25 million across PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. So think about that. So with that said, you got 25 million players across three three platforms. Why can't Nintendo be on that list? You you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And and it's like it's like what what is stopping Overwatch from uh, and just as an example from being on the Switch? Like where's Nintendo going and saying we want this on our console? Let's make it happen. That's uh, the thing too. They're not being aggressive with that shit like, "Hey, Sony got, you know, P- P- PlayStation got Street Fighter exclusive to their console. You want to play Street Fighter, you got to fuck with us." You know? And again, you know, new Street Fighter, not Street Fighter 2 with the Switch got, but new Street Fighter. To that point, it's like, why can't Nintendo be like, we want to do Saturday Night Slam Masters? Just again, hypothetical. Why not? Hey, we want to do a brand new Metal Slug. You can't tell me that Metal Slug wouldn't run on the Switch, you know? Sure as hell would. There you go. But that, but this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about, like things of that nature. Like, hey, we got to do something like that. Or, or again, going, going a step further. Hey, EA, we, you know, we, we're obviously going to ask you for Madden. Have you guys given thought to, to maybe working with us on one of your other franchises? Let's bring back, I don't know, Road Rash. Make it Nintendo exclusive. Let's bring back Burnout. There you go. Oh, no, because we're too busy. Doing need for speed ice skating. Exactly. Beating the dead horse. <laughs> But that's that's exactly it, my friend. I mean, you know, we 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 can definitely break that down till we're blue in the face. But I do feel that that's that's a, a you know something that needs to be addressed. You know, Nintendo's coming out of the gate, and again, you know, they're coming out of the gate. And I mentioned on the last week's show about what Reggie was saying that you know one of the biggest things that hurt the Wii U was the 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 lack of consistent releases from Nintendo. And when I read it and I talked about it on air, I said, no shit. <laughs> hey, at least at least he can acknowledge it. A he lot can. Of companies don't acknowledge it. Yeah, but, but here's the kicker with that, dude. Of course you're going to acknowledge it. The system's going to be taken to the back and shot in the head. That's the equivalent of telling somebody who's dying, hey, your liver's going to fail first. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Thanks for stating what we already knew. And again, you know, like to, to your point, I'm not dismissing what you said it's like great thanks for thanks for being upfront and transparent but it's not really upfront and transparent when even stevie wonder saw that there were fucking no games coming out a lot of people complain though that uh zelda is coming both to the wii u and the switch and i'm like why wouldn't it come to both of them right why not why why wouldn't wii u owners that can't buy a switch on day one allow themselves you know be deprived from playing a game that look you know that looks interesting looks fun even if even think about it 
the Nintendo Switch pre-orders are fucking sold out, you fucking panty wastes. Like, it is sold out. If you didn't get in on it, you're either going to have to wait or you're going to have to pay reseller prices. And if you're one of those people, I want to play Zelda. Well, here you fucking go. You're exactly right. <laughs> it's like you can't catch a break, man. And that's something, you know, that's that's something we've talked, you and I have mentioned that length. The other thing I did want to mention is the, um, you know, Xbox was confirmed recently that in their next update, they're going to eliminate the snap mode. Now, I know you're not an Xbox owner, but the snap mode was where, let's say, if you were playing a game, you could snap another application there. Um, you know, you could snap, um, you know, Twitch or whatever it was, and you could put it there and, and whatever. It was fine. I mean, there were times when I would actually snap if I were playing a game. I would snap like raw or something else and just watch it on the small screen, you know, just to keep track of what's going on. And it's funny because I always felt that one of the, you know, the Xbox dash, even though it had all this cool shit was always a bit sluggish. And oddly enough, one of the, one of the factors in it being sluggish was the snap mode. So, uh, you know, Microsoft's doing away with it partially, obviously, because the feature isn't used often, and also because it would allow the console's dash to run faster. So, um, you know, I wanted to mention that only because it's interesting and I'm and I'd be curious to know how many people actually use that feature besides me on occasion. I didn't use it frequently either. I mean, if if I played my if I turned on my console 30 times in a month, I'd probably use that feature maybe five times, maybe. Well, it's it's very strange to me. I mean, I get what you said about reasons why but it seems like microsoft is removing a lot of the functionality that quote unquote quote unquote they had over the playstation 4 which is just weird because all the rumors that are spreading about the upcoming scorpio stuff like that it's like you're supposed to have an edge right and you are slowly losing it well, you know what it is? I got to I got to be honest and I'll genuinely say this. It's a feature that was awesome on paper, was awesome to use, but very few people gave a fuck about it. I would love to conduct a poll. And you know what? We may we may toss it in the in the Rageworks group for Xbox One owners. How many people actually plugged their cable box into their Xbox? And then watch when they take it out, people are going to complain and say why can't I use the snap anymore? Yep, because you, you, hey, here's a feature. Remember when we used to do the theater mode to watch Netflix movies? No, because when we tried to use it, they had already taken it out. Right. Well, that's what I mean. But remember that, that everybody's like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, like whole mystery science theater type shit. And I used it actually for Minority Film Report in the early days. And it was fine. And then they took the feature out. I'm like, fuck, you know, that was kind of cool. Like, why'd you take it out? And then they're like, eh. Like you and three people used it. I'm like, all right, well, I guess, you know, it is what it is, but it's true. It's probably also like the issue of, you know, like take, for example, the Royal Rumble Sunday. There's a thing about rebroadcasting. It probably had to do with stuff like that. Right. And that, and that's, and that's, and that's an issue as well. But to, to that point, it's like right now, you know, I understand what you're saying about, Hey, this is what brought, what brought them to the dance. And now they're kind of doing away with it. I would rather, and I'm being honest, I would rather, I would, I would honestly sacrifice a mode like that, which might not be essential to the majority of the gaming public for just additional backwards compatibility. Like I would, I would sacrifice backwards compatibility 
with some fucking games. Well, sure, but I, but for me as as an as a console owner, I have you know I have a fair amount of games I can play on the system, which I do. But I still have my 360 putt putting around because there's still some games on the 360 I'm playing. Now, a lot of the digital stuff has carried over to my Xbox One, so I can play a lot of it. But there's there has been some stuff that I'm I'm just waiting. Like you know, I'm playing um the the last Assassin's Creed that came out on the 360, where you play as the assassin who ended up changing sides. So I've been chipping away at that game, and I'm just waiting for it to become backwards compatible because that's really the last game on my 360 that um that I'm playing. Everything else is pretty much digital, and I see it in my queue on the Xbox One, so I can still play it. But everything else, not so much, you know. Right. So, to, to, but that's what I mean. If if I had to give up a feature to get full 100% backwards compatibility with 360, I'd be like, bye. Just because it's just another black box to stare at, you know? I definitely hear what you're saying because with every device that has, you know, more than one function, yep, people will use it differently. Right. I personally don't give a shit about backwards compatibility on the Xbox One because just like you, I have my Xbox 360, which... I haven't turned on in almost three years now. So right. even though I do have games that I need to finish on the Xbox 360, that means nothing to me. Right. I don't have an Xbox One because at current, as of January 27th, 2017, there are zero Xbox One exclusive games that I give a fuck about. Right. And, and, that and for- I think that's really sad because I'm not the only person in that boat. No, and 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 dude, I'm I totally understand that. I just for me, I want I want to and again, this is just, you know, my personal wish list, but I always feel that I want less black boxes, not more of them, you know? Like, hey, PS4 Pro should be backwards compatible with PlayStation 3 at minimum. Even even, you know, if you're not, you know, if you remove PS1 and PS2, at least PS3, you know? That's well, that's I, I hear you, but at the same time, even if it were, and again, I'm only speaking for myself. Right, exactly. Was, Usage case. I couldn't I couldn't get rid of my PS3 because I still have a launch PS3. So in right. that box, I have the PS1 and PS2. Yep. So do I. I mean, I do, but that's what I mean. Like, if it were, a, but I also have a, a a PS2 still that's modded that plays PS1 games, and that's a separate story. But what I'm saying is. <laughs> What I'm saying is at least that one generation back, like, yeah, launch PS3. If you want to keep it to play PS2 and PS1 games, that's great because then you'd sell your PS2, which makes, per again, that perfect sense. Less black boxes. But right now, my home theater has my PS4, my PS3, my Xbox One, my 360. Those are the systems I currently play, and I still play them just because it's like we know. And, uh, you know, I use my PS3 to play PS2 stuff upstairs when i don't when i'm not playing my modded ps2 in the office and that's what i mean like that's i'm willing to accept backwards compatibility for the previous generation like the switch the switch should in my opinion play wii u and maybe wii games and that's it not gamecube or any of that other shit but at least wii u you know yeah but that would be difficult without a disk drive right but that you know if if you have a disk version maybe you you know you could you could scan in the skew or punch in the you know find a way around it like anything else you know. Well, I mean, who knows with their 
whole um, amiibo setup. Who knows what they can do? Yeah, what they it, can't do exactly. But that that's all I'm saying. I mean, for me, I'm just trying, and and I joke about it all the time. Just trying to less black boxes. <laughs> that's it. Less of them. Less of it's them. Less even, of them. Less. Of even them. if you ultimately, let's say, could just have one Xbox and it would play all Xbox games. The bottom line is. You got all these guys, and I don't want to say fanboys, but just aficionados of the Xbox One saying, well, I have backwards compatibility with all the Xboxes. Yeah, and I'm sitting here with my PS4 playing 2017 games. Right, but you know what it is? You, much like me, still collect. Well, not collect, but we keep certain games for nostalgia's sake. And to keep the, and we, and we, and we turn them on for nostalgia's sake. I mean, it wasn't that long ago I was playing just for the hell of it on the old fat original Xbox, the original raw WWE game that they put out on that system. Just because I was bored. I'm like, eh, let me fuck around with this for a little bit. Am I saying that that's everybody else? No, but what I'm saying is that if you wanted to play a particular game, you shouldn't be a, you shouldn't be held hostage by keeping that one console, you know? No, no you're absolutely right. But again, usage, it's, usage it's, case um, varies. Usage does vary from case to case, and I want to play brand new Xbox One games that, for me, will be interesting. And right, unfortunately, as of now, there are none. And right, I, I, I don't try. I don't walk around shitting on the Xbox One. I just it's just not you know, for you. It's currently not for me. Right, it would be a it'd be a paperweight right now. Exactly, and that's and that's the whole point. Being self-aware to say, hey, this is a cool console. It does cool shit. It's just not for me. Like I always tell you, I have my 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 weird metric when it comes time to buy a system. When you hit three games, maybe between three to five games that I can play on it or that I want to play, it gets my purchase. If it's just one game, it's like, nope, I'm not buying a system for one game. I don't give a shit what it is. Me personally. No, and that's fine because... I, again, ran across a friend that I had an argument with a couple of days ago because they have not been talking positively about the Switch. And this guy said, I need at least 10 games on the console that I can play, that, that I want to play. I'm like, That's insane. See, well, because it's like... you need 10 games on the console for it at launch or at any right. given time? Between like, real life and everything are you, else, are you going to really crank through 10 games in, in six months? Not even that. Are you going to fucking buy 10 games on March 3rd? No, no not. absolutely not. Very few people do that. The person in, in general, and again, you know, just somebody I know, it's like you complain about, you know, having to buy two copies of one game because this person is fortunate enough to have a significant other that also plays games. So when they get one, they often have to get two right. of the same game, right? which is understandable. I don't want to pay $120 for one game either, but 10 games, even if you only buy one copy, you're going to spend $600 in games on March 3rd. No, no, nope, absolutely not. And I agree. I just feel that you're going to play, if you're going to play games and you de- and, and you genuinely have like marathon gaming sessions, then like I said, five is a modest number, but you're not buying all five at jump. Anyway, you're going to play through maybe one or two. Exactly. And that's the but thing that gets me. You want to try different titles because it's a brand new console. If Zelda, and we, we always say it's good for them to stretch it out, but if Zelda 
and Mario and let's say Mario Kart were all available on March 3rd, there you go for me because I can switch between them and, you know, get a feel of different right. types of games. Correct. But the fact that those just those three games in, in particular are being spread out over the course of 2017, considering there are other games that I'm going to want to play, I think that's perfectly okay. I'm not happy that I got to wait till the holiday to play Mario, but also you got to consider the fact that, again, as of today, I'm one of the poor suckers who, again, <clears throat> excuse me, because of people like the scalpers, unless something changes on March 3rd, I'm going to be sitting with a shiny copy of Zelda Breath of the Wild in my hand and no fucking console to play it on. There you go. And that's, and that's, that's the way you got to look at it. You know, I think, I think we're, we're at a, we're at a, a tipping point and it's something that, you know, we we've said before where, Hey, here's the system. Here's some games have at it. But the problem is it's like, listen, you, you shouldn't have these over these over you know, these overbearing expectations like, Hey, I need 10 games. I need 15 games at launch. You're not playing 15. You're playing maybe three March 3rd. You're not going to turn them on and play each one for an hour. You're going to play one. Maybe you're going to play another one for a little bit. Then you're going to go back to one. You know what I mean? Come on. Be fucking realistic. Let's let's really be realistic. Let's say that the Nintendo Switch, after you turn it on, hook it up, get it set up, has an online feature where you can see what your friends are playing. Right. On March 3rd, let's say, you know, again, just argument's sake, you and I both have a Nintendo Switch. And between us, we have 10 friends that have Nintendo Switch. Right. I guarantee you, on that list of 10 people, including you and I, what what the fuck is that list going to say everybody's playing? Zelda. Because it doesn't matter how many other games come out on March 3rd, that list will have 10 fucking people, and every fucking person on the list will say, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Right. At such and such point in the game. Right. Or or, or maybe or, gonna be playing on that game. Or, or maybe if they if they decide again to get a second game to break it up, there there might be a second game in there. But again, it's gonna be one or two. Right. Period. And every Zelda game, I don't care whether you loved it or hate it, has at least I would say at least like twenty hours of gameplay. Yep. I can agree so with that assessment. It's not like you're gonna finish it in one day unless you do nothing right when i say nothing i mean you don't eat sleep or shit right for 24 hours absolutely you might finish it on day one yep it's true because even even to and i'll give an example before we wrap up you know even people that i know that play like madden and they buy madden on launch day the first thing they don't go and play a, they don't go and start a franchise the first day they hop online the first day and that's all they do and then maybe they decide ah, i'm gonna play a season a full season and they'll chip away at a season to, you know, keep the game fresh until football season is over. And then the game is worth a dollar, but that's the whole point. You know, you buy the game, you spend 28 hours playing online and you haven't even touched the season mode. And that's and just one game. It depends game. on the, the person because right. What do you call it? Some people care about their, well, pretty much everybody who plays Madden online cares about their record. Of course. But that's what I mean. They go online, they play online sometimes first, and that consumes the bulk of their playtime. Some of them don't even touch, 
like I said, season mode till the, you know, the, the, the season starts winding down or they just have less people to play with, you know? And that's what I'm saying that there's, there's a, a, a level of, of commitment that's required and an investment of time where, yes, you may be playing a second game, but you still are chipping through the first one. There you go. That's it. Well, aside from that, is uh, anything else you wanted to add this week? No, I just, like I said, the, the biggest thing for me right now will be the, the Hitman release. I am going to try. The, there have been some, you know, real life hiccups this week, but I am going to get some streaming of Yakuza 0 in uh, for the, the site. So definitely look forward to that. And uh, I will definitely have some gameplay videos coming up next week for Hitman. So look for that as well. There you go. As always, you can find a link to Slick's YouTube channel on the show notes for this episode. And as always, you can catch Slick's work on RageWorks.net as well. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man, and giving me the assist this week. That's for sure. Well, like I said, I'm always here for you, man. You got it, brother. Thanks a lot. Peace. All right, let's jump right into the entertainment news for this week, and let's get it rolling with some box office total. Uh, Split came in number one this weekend, earning $40.2 million. Triple X's return to the box office came in in the number two slot, earning $20 million. Hidden Figures came in at number three, earning $16.3 million, bringing its grand total to 84.2. Sing came in at number four. La La Land was number five earning $8.4 million, bringing its total to 89.7. Rogue One, A Star Wars Story came in at number six. Monster Trucks was number seven. Patriot's Day was number eight. The Founder was number nine. And Sleepless came in at number 10, earning $3.7 million and bringing its total up to $15.2 million. Now, pretty solid weekend at the box office. I I was not shocked that Split was going to take the number one slot. Everybody was very, very interested in seeing uh, what was going to come out of the crazy, crazy mind of M. Night Shyamalan and not shocked that it's been well-received. Everybody's been talking about the crazy twist ending. I got to get out to the box office to see it. Um, I'm going to try and get out and see Resident Evil. I know I've been slacking on the reviews, but um, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff in the theater and just not enough time to check it out. But nonetheless, I've been hearing good things about Split and if you get a chance, definitely check it out because, again, it's weird, it's insane, and it may, definitely makes you think. And I want to try and get out there and check it out for sure. So, as I said, when we introed the show for this week, we were going to have some WTF movie news for those of you that don't know and are not familiar with that lingo in terms of MTR. WTF is what the fuck movie news. And sometimes we just get things that make you say exactly those three words. And Last week, we were talking about the remake of White Men Can't Jump. Well, this week, it looks like the box office is going to try their hand. Well, let me rephrase that. Hollywood is going to try their hand at bringing Shaft back to the box office. As many of you know, uh, Shaft was rebooted once before with Samuel L. Jackson playing uh, the nephew of of the original Shaft in the 2000 remake, which was directed by John Singleton. Well, it looks... Like, we are going to try it once again. Uh, Ride-along director Tim Story is in talks to put together a Shaft reboot uh, for New Line. And right now, they're looking at doing it not with John Shaft or 
uh, you know, one of John Shaft's cousins or any of that. But instead, they're going to go to something basic, which is that they're, they're going to follow John Shaft's son, a private eye who finds himself in the middle of an ongoing battle between the police and New York City's organized crime. Now, if they were smart and you were going to continue with this Shaft reboot nonsense, then at minimum, let's try and tie it into Samuel L. Jackson, uh, his character, and have his character be involved. If his son, if it's going to be John Shaft's son, then John Shaft's nephew, played by by Sam Jackson, at least should have a part in that because I really didn't hate that particular film. I thought that um, Jeffrey Wright was amazing as Peoples Hernandez, and it was it was a, it was a fun film, man. In two thousand, like yeah, at first glance you're like, oh, this movie's gonna suck, but it was good because you had Christian Bale as a complete douchebag villain uh, alongside, um, you know. The, the the Jeffrey Wright's amazing people's Hernandez. So while it is definitely WTF worthy, it's WTF worthy because it's only been now 17 years since we did what, since we saw one shaft remake, are we really in line to see another only time will tell. And I'll definitely keep you guys informed of what goes on with that remake. Of course, it wouldn't be an entertainment segment without some comic book movie talk. And DC Films is in the news because, obviously, they want to bring Green Lantern into the fold with the Justice League. And the rap is reporting that DC Films actually has a short list of characters to play Hal Jordan in the DC Extended Universe. And one name that is surprisingly still on the list is Ryan Reynolds, which many of you know played uh, Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern film that came out a while back, which was received with mixed results for a litany of reasons. I have my issues with the film. It wasn't complete dog shit. There, there have been worse things that I've seen, but it definitely didn't do Ryan Reynolds any favors. Now, in addition to Ryan Reynolds being on that short list, there's actually a bunch of other, uh, very, very well-known actors that are on that list. And some of them, definitely some of them, I'm like, what the fuck are they doing there? So, I got to tell you, Tom Cruise is on that list. Not shocked. I mean, Tom Cruise is a box office draw, but, you know, I think Tom Cruise being involved in any sort of comic book movie is a ship that sailed a long time ago. Also on that list, Bradley Cooper. Not shocked. I mean, Bradley Cooper definitely has the 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 smarminess and, and the chops to pull off a Green Lantern. Not sure if he'd be my first choice, but definitely wouldn't be terrible. Also on that list, Army Hammer, who... I actually felt was surprisingly solid in The Man from Uncle, and he did a really good job in that movie. Wasn't totally sold on his acting after seeing him alongside Johnny Depp in The Lone Ranger, but um, in The Man from Uncle, he was really good. And maybe I just feel he's he's a big he's a very big dude, and I think that it may look a little odd when you know he's standing alongside Superman, who of course was his co-star in The Man from Uncle, but. They had really good chemistry in that film, so I'm willing to give it a shot. Also on that list, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal's been a guy that's been tossed around for numerous roles from Spider-Man to Batman to Robin, all kinds of shit. So hearing him on the short list isn't a shocker. Uh, the, the real shocker, though, is actor Joe McHale, who many of you may know as the host of The Soup, uh, stand-up comedian, also did Community, and... Um, I, he's he's a cool actor. I like Joe McHale. Don't know if I can genuinely see him as as Green Lantern. If if I if I had to look at this list of actors, I would probably go with 
Ryan Reynolds, who did a good job. But now you look at Ryan Reynolds and you see Deadpool. So if you wanted to go with a clean slate, I would probably go first choice Bradley Cooper, followed by Army Hammer, then Jake Gyllenhaal, and Joel McHale would be on the very last of my list, for at least for me. I mean, you know, like I said, Ryan Reynolds just got got fucking beaten to death on the uh, on the Green Lantern film that dropped in 2011, and as of right now, you know, a lot of the casting is in the early stages. Nobody's nobody's really 100% sure who's in the running. Interestingly enough, Bradley Cooper had originally auditioned for the role in the in the in the live action film that starred Ryan Reynolds. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, Ryan Reynolds, as many of you know, has no problem shitting on the Green Lantern movie. Um, You know, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what they do. As many of you know, uh, David Goyer and Justin Rhodes are are involved with the Green Lantern Corps movie that they're going to do, which they're they're casually calling it lethal weapon in space and it's going to follow how jordan and john stewart um in the film and i think that would be pretty cool and if we had to go that route and i'm being honest i would probably do how jordan played by by reynolds and john stewart played by idris elba if that if that's where we had to go i would probably go with those two actors i think they would be very they would do very well together um if i had to go with you know a guy that that's worked with some of the other cast you know i'd probably also go with army hammer i think again he has the 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 chops to be funny when called upon but definitely can hold his own in a more serious role as for john stewart i'm sorry i mean idris elba is like my pick for that he's he's one you know he's an actor that's incredibly underrated and people you know they've seen him in stuff but they haven't really seen him flex his his, his heroic chops i mean he did a good job in Pacific Rim, he does a good job in Luther. He's amazing as Heimdall in Thor, but you know, having him play a, a, a GL as iconic as John Stewart is definitely something I personally would like to see. The uh, the Green Lantern Corpse is scheduled to hit theaters uh, in 2020. Now, another bit of news that made headlines this past week was the return of the Terminator film franchise back to Skydance. As many of you know, um, you know, the Terminator franchise essentially failed after Terminator Genesis. And it looks like, you know, James Cameron is going to get involved. And all signs are pointing to Cameron possibly collaborating with Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool for the new film. As of right now, it looks like James Cameron is set to retain the rights for the franchise in 2019 and would, according to many reports, godfather the new project meaning that he would probably oversee it and be involved in a lot of the more back-end stuff and then obviously consult on the film as well. It's really unfortunate because I thought that Terminator Genesis was going to write the ship and it was just, it had so many things wrong with it, so, so many. I mean, the Terminator film with um, Christian Bale, I didn't hate it. I felt that it was a little, a little, a little insane the, how dark they went and Sam Worthington was just fucking you know, paper mache on screen. He was completely transparent in, in terms of the character he was playing. Nobody gave a shit about his character. Um, it's, it's interesting only because, you know, Cameron's already doing the, the, the avatar sequels, which he's going to be shooting two at a time. And, you know, Terminator Genesis, man, it, it only made $89.8 million domestically, but it made $440.6 million worldwide. So it's not a complete, a, a complete clusterfuck, but definitely not something that um people are chomping at the bit to see. I've I've always said 
that Terminator Genesis had a lot of really cool moments and it wove very well into the previous films, you know, using the T-1000, using Arnold. They did a great job with that. I just felt that it's really tough. And some people may agree with this or not. I, you know, T2, you know, Terminator 2 was was the fucking truth, man. That's that's like the gold standard when it comes to like, don't get me wrong. The original Terminator movie was amazing and it and it established an amazing universe. But T2 was fucking tremendous, man. Everything about T2 was just dope, you know, from the effects to the acting Everything worked and everything was so well done. And then after that, it just everything shit the bed. You know, you had the the, the third film where you had the uh, the female Terminator played by Christiana Loken. Then you had the, um, you know, the uh, Christian Bale version with with Sam Worthington and then Genesis. And it's just I understand you want to keep the, the, the one constant as Arnold. And that's fine. I have no problem with that because Arnold, he's good in, in, in those roles. But just the stories themselves have just been fucking abysmal. Like T2 is the gold standard. And if you need to bring back James Cameron to recapture that magic, then damn it, so be it. Because if you're going to do another Terminator movie and he's not involved, it's it, it's almost a certainty that it's going to suck. I really usually, you know, I'm pretty optimistic with this stuff most times. But, you know, Genesis was was tough, man. It was a tough film to watch. I was like, fuck, so many things wrong and and so many so many great moments squandered so much acting talent squandered and um you know we thought we were going to get them to quote unquote right the ship and do something serious and it just it just fucking fell apart so we'll see what happens we'll be monitoring this story very very closely on the small screen side of things marvel's on tv dc's on tv it looks like we're going to see some top cow stuff as NBC is looking to try their hand at doing a new Witchblade series. Uh, the original comic book, which came out through Image's Top Cow imprint, was uh, done with, you know, Brian Haberlin, Mark Silvestri, the late Michael Turner, who I'm a big fan of. And it would follow Sarah Pizzini, who was the main character who gains the powers of the Witchblade, uh, being a New York City detective. And obviously, if you read the comics, you know that there's a bunch of other stuff tying into the darkness and a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen a Witchblade TV series. There was originally one that aired on TNT with Yancey Butler, uh, no relation. And um, they also did a 24-episode anime version as well. I'm curious, you know, with the with the success of what's going on with Marvel and DC on, on the small screen and all the great shows that are coming out, if they're ready to do something with something like, you know, ready to do a property like Witchblade, which, yes, you know, there's there's definitely a police procedural element but there's definitely also a special effects element with the Witchblade Gauntlet, which, you know, changes forms, becomes armor, et cetera, et cetera. R- ends up ripping off the lead character's clothes. There's there's a lot of shit going on. And, you know, I think you could definitely pull it off. I just feel that, you know, you're going to have a, a decent sized budget for the effects. Otherwise, it's just going to become a police procedural. And while that does work to a degree, uh, with something like this with Witchblade, where it's, you know, this mystical weapon and it does all this cool shit, you kind of want to see it in action on a pretty decent basis. In some Star Wars news, Episode 8 has an official title now called Star Wars The Last Jedi, scheduled to hit theaters December 15th, 2017. Many of us, um, including yours truly, are curious about that statement because, obviously, if you remember uh, when Yoda when Yoda was training Luke Skywalker, he said, when I die, last Jedi, you will be. And of course, 
It also raises the question that maybe Luke Skywalker dies in the next film and Rey will be the last Jedi. Or, you know, Jedi is sometimes plural, like, you know, the last of the Jedis. So there's there's a lot of a, a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of speculation going around with regards to that. I'm just excited that, you know, every year, essentially, we get a fucking Star Wars movie and they just keep being more and more awesome every time. I mean, Rogue One, if you haven't seen it, please do. It is fucking stellar. It really is. And, um, you know, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see what where they go with the with the story arc. You know, as many of you know, when the film ended, Ray hand it was handing Luke Skywalker the lightsaber and. You know, they just stared at each other and then roll credits. So I'm curious to see where the story goes, what happens now with the passing of Carrie Fisher, what goes on with Kylo Ren, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely a lot of questions I have personally, and it looks like we will definitely get our answers December 15th, 2017. In some other small screen news with with regards to comics, it looks like we're going to get another X-Men related show in the near future we already know that fx is launching legion which starts on february 2nd but fox ordered a pilot for another live action x-men x-men series which is going to be written by matt nix who did one of my favorite shows burn notice um he will also not only be writing it but also be executive producer on the project and working with um you know the x-men franchise's favorite director brian singer which uh, is is pretty is a pretty big deal. Um, they're not they haven't given away too much in terms of the title, but what they're what they're going to focus on uh, allegedly, you know, take this with a grain of salt is it's going to follow two parents who discover that their children possess mutant powers, and you know the parents go on the run from the government and they join an underground network of mutants that are trying to survive. As of right now, you know they don't know which X-Men characters were going to be in the series, but Matt Nix did confirm that the series will tie into the films and exists within the, the overall universe. So it's going to be interesting to see what characters show up, if any, when the series does air, but Fox definitely is going to try their hand at doing something with the X-Men. I've, you know, I've seen a lot of trailers for Legion. I'm definitely intrigued and curious about the project. It looks good. Um, I'm I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. I like Matt Nix. Like I said, he did one of my favorite shows of all time, Burn Notice, uh, which is definitely in my top 10 list of favorite shows. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I think that you could do a lot. I mean, the X-Men universe is so vast. There's so many mutants you could do stuff with um, from, you know, some of the more mainstream characters to even some of the more obscure, obscure ones that we don't see a lot. You know, um, I, I'm, like I said, cautiously optimistic. That's for sure. Uh, the other bit of entertainment news I want to discuss is, and and this is pretty crazy, that, again, definitely in the WTF category, so you get two this week. If if anybody remembers the film What About Bob, it was a black comedy, and by black comedy, I don't mean black with African-American actors, but black comedy in terms of subject matter, and it followed uh, Bill Murray, he played the character Bob, who was a psychiatric patient who joins a psychiatrist at the time, you know, in the in the film played by Richard Dreyfus on his family vacation. It was fucking ridiculous and insane. I remember watching it when I was younger and I was like, "Wow, this movie is fucked up." I mean, the movie came out in 1991, you know, I was 11 at the time. I sh- I saw it I believe that same year with uh maybe my brother. 
And um, it was it was insane. Well, here's the kicker. And this is the new trend. Clearly, NBC has ordered a pilot for What About Barb, which is going to be a single camera comedy series, which is going to follow uh, the same narrative as What About Bob, except it's going to be a gender switch with a, you know, a female version of Bob, obviously Barb and a female psychiatrist. Um, again, we've seen TV series uh, films turned adapted to TV shows with mixed results. Obviously, I've said, you know, there's our exceptions, Lethal Weapon being one training day, which I'm going to check out. Same thing with um, uh, Taken uh, again, just a, a wait and see approach. But what about Bob is is a film that ex- was exactly that a film? I mean, the film, you know, made. 60 million dollars on like a 40 million dollar budget everybody loved it it's a cult classic it is funny as hell i mean richard dreyfus just being completely angry and insane yelling at bill murray who was just textbook bill murray in every film was tremendous not really digging turning that into a tv series because i just don't feel that has the energy or the chops to be a tv series much less a remake of any sort uh, that movie's one of those films, like I've said before, that it just it just stands on its own. It's fun. You can watch it now, and it's still good. Do we need a TV series? I don't think so. But I guess NBC feels that it's worth it. So we'll see what happens in terms of when it's released, what kind of actors and actresses get cast, and of course, we will keep you guys updated with that. And the last bit of entertainment news to close things out is that it looks like they're going to reboot Saw. As many of you know, Saw with the, with Jigsaw and Billy the Puppet was tremendous. It actually was part of the, the, the quote-unquote torture porn horror genre where it was just people getting killed in gruesome and, and completely horrifying ways. And I think the first film was, without a doubt, just amazing. And then they got, they got weirder and crazier and, and more insane and more elaborate. But it looks like, you know, and I've said this before, cheap. Cheap budgets lead to the desire to make reboots a reality, much like the sequel to The Ring called Rings, which is coming out soon. But it looks like we're going to get that with Saw. Uh, Laura Vandervoort, who was in Smallville and Bitten and also on Supergirl, and Hannah Anderson um, are the two first cast members that will be joining the upcoming Saw Legacy film. Um, You know, like I said, I'm curious to see where where the story takes place, how it ties into the the rest of the narrative, if at all, or if it's just a completely brand new interpretation, still using, uh, you know, all the torturous instruments of death and destruction that were uh, so prevalent in the other films. In any case, uh, the brand new Saw Legacy hits theaters October 27th. Uh, it looks like the film is currently in post-production. And like I said, these are the, the t- kind of films that they don't cost a lot. And if they're solid, they can sometimes double or triple their budget and are considered a success and then succeed on the home video front. I mean, I, I can use that formula with a film like The Conjuring, which not only was actually a genuinely good horror film, but they had a good cast and a really solid story. Did it need a sequel? Not really. But the sequel was equally as solid and equally as scary as the first film. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure how I feel about you know, rebooting Saw, considering how many films they did and how much of a crazy, crazy franchise it is. But clearly Lionsgate wants to take the gamble and see if there's still some box office juice in Jigsaw's toolbox. We'll see what happens. And as always, we will keep you guys updated with any additional casting announcements or other news related to Saw Legacy. All right. 
I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's entertainment segment and for this week's episode of My Take Radio. So with that, I've given you guys my take. Well, correction. Slick and I have given you our take on gaming, and I've given you my take on entertainment. As always, I would love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on any of our social media channels, whether it's on Twitter at My Take Radio or at Rage underscore Works, our Facebook group, our Facebook fan page, etc. You can find links for all that in the show notes for this episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, whether it's the MMA and wrestling or gaming and entertainment editions, uh, feel free to reach out, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. And as always, we always have a couple of ad slots. If you're interested in advertising a product or service, uh, we always like to work with different companies to showcase really cool shit. So if you got something awesome that our audience would enjoy, hit us up. Uh, you can email me at the same email address, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. If you don't prefer, if you prefer something besides email, you can use our contact form or our advertise with us form on rageworks.net. All right, guys, we will see you guys next week for the MMA and wrestling edition of MTR. And of course, for the gaming and entertainment edition as well. Thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you for your support. I am out of here. Peace. My Take Radio is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network, bringing you the latest rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. To find out more, visit us at rageworks.net.